Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to get through this thing called life. Electric word, life, it means forever, and that's a mighty long time. But I'm here to tell you, there's something else. The afterworld. A world of never-ending happiness. You can always see the sun. Day or night. So when you call up that shrink in Beverly Hills, you know the one. Talk to everything, be alright. Welcome to another episode on the Duan Marrero Podcast. I'm your host, Duan Marrero. Joining me today is the one and only Jim D'Lo and the mayor of Gary, Indiana, Mayor Jerome Prince. It's a pleasure to finally have you on the podcast, sir. I want to apologize, too, again. Um, last week, I know we scheduled to have you on Wednesday, but work flew me out to L.A. to cover the West Coast playoffs for basketball. Obviously, I don't know if you saw LeBron um, reach a milestone, beat Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He's the all-time leading score for the regular season to witness that, you know, yes. what, what's, what's your thoughts when you saw LeBron in real time become the all time leading score in NBA so, at his age? Actually, I didn't see it. I, I caught the clip of it this morning. Uh, as I was telling you earlier, you know, a, after a long day with the city and right. certainly personal life and that, uh, I typically go home, I answer some emails, make some calls and, Eat a little dinner and crash As long out. as you saw the 30 seconds, though. It's, I, I, it's just like the rest that, of society. That was 30 great seconds, enough. they yeah. saw three hours full of the game. Yep, yep. And so, yeah, no apology uh, necessary. You know, one of the things that I recognize is that in addition to my busy schedule, everybody else has one also. Right. And uh, certainly respect all the accomplishments that you've made. I've kind of followed you since high school, actually a little bit before that Biddy basketball. Glenn Park Biddy. Absolutely. And so uh, I'm just uh, – you know, I would say proud, and, and there's a you know certain degree of proud, pride that, that certainly exists, but uh, you certainly own all of that, and those accomplishments are yours. I'm just glad to have had an opportunity to interact with you as a uh, very young person, right? And, and uh, certainly you're still a young person, but uh, having the opportunity to uh, interact with you as an adult right is is definitely significant and in many ways it reminds me of my relationship with my sons right so i have four sons um you probably read the bio jim knows the story a little bit and i tell it every time i get i was a young parent deanna and i got married uh in fact i was 18 she was 17 and so uh my sons are i like to say almost as old as i am now but no the uh, eldest is 42 we've got one that's 41 a son that's 38 and a 35 year old 11 grandchildren uh deanna and i just celebrated 40 years of marriage right Congrats. which makes me 58 at this point still going strong but uh in any event yes last uh, sunday we celebrated well actually saturday we had an event celebrating our 40 years of marriage and sunday was the actual anniversary date it was a big event too it was, it was a big event, too. It was nice. It was yeah. nice. She was happy, right? And so yeah. a lot of planning went into it. A lot of folks showed up. Uh, yeah, had a great time. And, uh, yeah, so. Deanna, you know, uh, I don't know if you ever seen them together. Uh, she looks like 10 years younger than he does. So <laughs> he just gave her age away on the air to just, uh, but uh, yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't show that way. Uh, Mayor Prince, I'm Jim Dilo. I sit with the 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 rhythm is I come in about ten minutes with Dewan, okay. and then he kicks me out of here. Uh, but I'm I'm honored to be on here with you. <laughs> Thank you know we do the veteran show on Fridays as you well know, and mm -hmm. we have a lot of people. And I thought you were going back to your 
military roots mm -hmm. when you got here at 8 o'clock. And because that's what all the veterans guys do. They start at 9 and they start getting here at 745. And I've tried to tell them, yeah, come on, guys, just get here at 830. That's good. But you were here an hour early and we, we appreciate you coming in here and uh, saying, hey, you know what? The, the military time never stops. Yeah, right? Well, punctuality is absolutely important. In fact, uh, you know, when we conduct our city business i'm a stickler for starting uh every meeting on time uh you know and and i think that's the expectation it's the right expectation it's just the right thing to do so yeah some hard habits uh never die you know and uh, i'm actually running right on time and as i got back here because i went down to get a couple eggs by the way we're recording this on what wednesday february 8th in the morning so i i just did three and a half hours of radio and i'm like hungry so I run down there, and I think I'm going to grab it and leave, but I run into East Chicago Councilman Terry Hill, and, of course, we got to start talking about East Chicago Roosevelt Rough Riders, and then I realize i got, I got to be on a podcast. But um, I, want to, uh, I want to make fun first of uh, Dewan. Can you show this picture? This is the guy from, what, near 16th and Grant? Is that where he is? That, that's 20, 20, 25th and Grant. Tw 20th? 25th and Grant. Small Farms Apartment, Gary, Indiana. Went to Rodeo Drive to see what the glitz and glamour was like. And Jim Delo texted me and was like, hey, man, you got to return back to the region. You can't, can't get caught up in that. Good call. So it made sense why Marvin Ray didn't send me to uh, University of Miami, Florida. <laughs> and, he, and he told me that I was going to go to DePaul instead. So, yeah. You know, uh, Jerome, uh, Mayor, he, uh, he's texting me and he's like, wow, this is really cool. And I could just tell that some people go out there and they see Hollywood, they see Beverly Hills, they see Westwood, all that stuff. And I got it affected him. He's like, man, this, this stuff really exists? Yeah, it kind of sucks him in, huh? I, I've been out there a number of times, obviously. Uh, in fact, was stationed in Northern California uh, for the entire time I was in the Marine Corps. But, yeah, I, I'm a little different in that I always appreciated the sun, the fun, the palm trees, and, you know, the uh, models and actors and all that stuff. But uh, it was just a little bit too much for me. And, and from the perspective of, you know, if you're going to settle down there. And so, but a young, handsome guy like this, I can certainly see why. Oh, that's he, exactly uh, what well, he, he was. Well, I mean, it is He what was it adding is, up all the action in his head. And he's like, and then I'm like, hey, man, you know, he's doing a lot of work and national stuff. This podcast is very popular. Mm -hmm. I'm like, man, I don't know if you got enough money coming in yet to live that life yet. And that, that's, I think, in his future. Yeah. Uh, Jerome, uh, let's hit a, a local thing here. Yep. Um, you have been the mayor now, what, three years? Three years. Three years, uh, one month, uh, eight, nine days. And by the way, hours. thank you for introducing me to your second grade teacher. Then she pulled me aside and she was like, you know, Jerome this and Jerome that. So I got some stories I could use against you from your second grade uh, year. But um, you're running in a primary coming up here just in a couple of months. Yep. You've been there three years. You're getting challenged pretty heavily. Um, uh, what is it that you're looking f What What is your main message going into this primary? So uh, thank you for the opportunity to, you know, make a mention or two of uh, certainly the time that we've spent there, right, and, and certainly uh, what our thoughts are going forward. Let me just say uh, the moment I won the primary, right, uh, I understood that four years later I would be challenged. I mean, it's just the nature of what we do. So certainly not offended that anybody's challenging. I think we should always aspire to do better, right? And and certainly um, from the perspective of someone seeking office and, and certainly from the perspective of sitting in office, uh, we always feel that we're that answer, right? I can tell you uh, when you uh, take a look at and you a person considers – uh, my reelection or or retaining me, I think they should do so in the proper context, right? And so, you know, I hear sometimes, you know, folks will say, "Well, nothing's been done," right? And 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 that's certainly not true. But um, I don't think it's a, a fair assessment, right, of of what is actually going on. And so, um, 
most people know the struggles and history and the challenges that the city has has experienced over the last five decades, and we certainly aren't going to revisit and replay all that. But the point is, is when you consider what we've been able to accomplish, you absolutely have to consider where we started at, right? And, I mean, it just – being fair and objective about it. Uh, they don't have to, but I think that would be the proper start. Um, I'm, you know, probably my biggest critic, right? And I like a lot of the people or some of the folks who would say that also share that uh, anxiety, if you will, of wanting to see a city functioning properly and certainly see uh, the amenities and resources that we realize in other communities that we visit. And so I understand that part, uh, but also have to, as the mayor, certainly, and as just a resident, take a very realistic approach to it and, and uh, just make sure that we always pay attention to the the fundamental structure of the city. Uh, economic development is great, and we certainly are going to achieve that at some point, if for no other reason, because of our geographic location in the region. I mean, we've got the most miles of beaches in the city. We have a national park designation and so many other benefits, uh, crossroads to, you know, the, the all of the highways and that. Um, but there are some structural things that I certainly, when I uh, announced four years ago that I was going to run, that was my focus then, and it continues to be my focus every day. I think uh, a certain part of me is uh, proud of some of the accomplishments that we have been able to make. Specifically? So uh, we could start with, uh, let's start with this one that, uh, you know, it's funny how <laughs> when time goes by we certainly tend to forget what happened yesterday but let's keep in mind three months into office uh we experienced a pandemic right which which largely lasted a little bit over a year in terms of just how it affected our ability to operate but that that's certainly important but even through that uh we were able to do some pretty good things one uh, first of all and this is sort of a parallel to the pandemic, we were able to establish a GIVE program, which was a guaranteed income validation effort. And it was modeled after the national effort of guaranteed income. But the point is we were able to secure $500,000 from the national organization to initiate this program. And then as a result of receiving the American Rescue Plan Act dollars, was able to match that with $400,000 and basically changed the lives of about 125 people in the city. And, uh, you know, there were folks who naturally were uh, certainly opposed to the idea. And some of the things I heard was, well, you're just going to give people free money and, and they're not going to work. And, you know, uh, we had a little bit different perspective. You know, the thought behind that type of thinking, and I certainly understand it because, you know, some people may not want to work, right, and are looking for free handouts or opportunities. Uh, but it was a very structured program, and the premise behind it was is that it certainly wasn't uh, just restricted to people uh, who aren't working, right? It was uh, to be inclusive of persons who may have one or two jobs and a family and that, but just simply can't make ends meet to the extent that they need. You see and, that a lot? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, statistics will bear that out. In your city, you got a lot of people that are barely making it. Sure, and sure. You got, you know, it, that little nudge can help. Well, it did. It absolutely did. And and believe it or not, there's a degree of stress associated with it. And, and certainly as a young parent, right, and, and just starting out uh, – very early on in life at 18 years old, I understood some of those challenges, you know, firsthand. But the point is, is that uh, there's a degree of stress associated with that. And, and if you're stressed out and, and having all these issues, you certainly can't be your best you. This was an opportunity to give people just a little breathing room, right? And in many instances, uh, we saw people's lives change. And what I mean by that is we experienced persons who uh, didn't have bank accounts, right, and were utilizing check cashing places to cash their checks, uh, create bank accounts, and enroll in uh, some of our smart money management programs. And uh, to a great extent, I would say about 
percent of those persons who were engaged in that program are still involved with uh, aspects of give and certainly uh, other services that we were able to connect with and other partners in order to continue advancing their life and so and that's beyond the uh, the gift that was given to them. So it was $500 a month for 18 months. And, uh, you know, we and a lot of people good. got it. And uh, some of them called here on my show sure. and said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm getting this money and it's helping out. Sure. It's, uh, it's talking to Jerome Prince, the mayor, and I get about 10 minutes. So I, I um, want to point out a couple other things, though, as you yeah. asked some of the accomplishments yeah. we were are able to make. So there was a, uh, a, a uh, an infusion of uh, dollars into the long existing YWCA, which certainly needed some rehabilitation. And that's work. at what cross streets? Uh, uh, that's, that's at 15th Avenue, uh, just west of Broadway, yep. so 15th and Washington. Yeah. Uh, the one that we're really most proud of is through our relationships and partnerships, we were able to uh, realize a uh, certainly a great infusion from a philanthropic organization, Dean White Foundation, of $10 million match that with 10 million from the state and certainly we put some skin in the game and now uh, as a result of that we're going to realize a 30 million dollar uh, YMCA facility on the west far west side of town that we think is going to be uh, certainly an amazing facility where's that going uh 19th just west of uh what's that like taft street there okay yeah, in between taft and and the uh, next main street so a little bit south of west side uh south of west side and a little bit east yeah there. sure yeah so uh you know th those were certainly a couple things that we were proud of but you know on, on uh, earlier I, I spoke about structure and just taking care of the basic things before we can hit the home run uh, we were definitely and continue to be uh, extremely happy and, and just pleased, I guess would be a better description of it, of our relationship with the uh, Indiana State Police. And the effort there is to restructure our police department. L let me just be clear. Uh, you know, some folks say, well, State Police taking over Gary because, you that know. Is they, the, that's on the street. Well, there but, are people but, saying but, that. But that's simply not accurate. Uh, w what occurred is about, uh, I don't know, 10 months ago or so now, I uh, specifically requested a meeting with the superintendent of State Police as well as the governor's office, and I asked for some technical assistance. And uh, that included not only standard operating procedures but also the ability to look at our operation and provide the best working condition for the men and women and what I was going to say earlier is that uh, for the most part, I believe we've got great officers, uh, but also at the same time, if you look at what's happened historically, uh, morale has, has been reduced to probably an all-time low, uh, certainly deficient of equipment, working conditions, and things like that. And when you have that, uh, in my opinion, officers are largely left to their own guises to try to figure it out. And they get up and go out each and every day and do so, but uh, as the mayor, I believe it's my responsibility responsibility to certainly create the best environment and working conditions that we can for them because that's going to certainly have an impact on how they do their job and how safe the community ultimately is and uh, I, I think it's been a tremendous partnership thus far major Jerry Williams who's a state trooper is the interim police chief you know took a couple hits with that largely because over the last 10 years the city is or, or experience uh, at least a dozen uh, uh, chiefs in that. <clears throat> Uh, but in this instance, I believe that the work that we've done and the resources that have been expended thus far, uh, it, it's way too early in the game to change that course of action. I think we're on the way to doing something great uh, based on the responses that we're getting from the rank and file. I think they're appreciative of it because what's happening is um, – it's it's an opportunity to take a fresher look, a fresh set of eyes on uh, an existing operation and provide opportunities for persons who may not have had that opportunity to ascend to the rank of leadership and, and set examples in the department to do so. And uh, it's already happening and it's starting already. So. 
Uh, once again, uh, we're recording here on Wednesday, February 8th, and it's uh, Gary Mayer, Jerome Prince. It's DeWan's podcast. I get about I get a few minutes, and then he boots me out. It's a podcast, so it's longer form, and, and DeWan will go into some of those. But specifically, you get to something. Uh, you took some heat here on this air for bringing in the Indiana State Police, and it, it just reminds me of of when there is involvement from the outside with whether it's the Gary Airport or whether it's the Indiana State Police. Uh, a lot of times folks in Gary uh, resist that from the outside. And then conversely, you're surrounded by Portage, Hobart, Highland, Griffith, Munster, Hammond. Give, give a sense of what you want the interaction between your city the surrounding communities and, and people like Indiana State Police. What do you look for from people outside of Gary? So from people outside of Gary, I, I you know, certainly expect that there will be, you know, uh, at least different opinions, right? Uh, some Everybody on, has one about what Gary should do, and you know that. And, and not only what Gary should do, but what Gary is and what it's been, right? And and they're entitled to that, right? But at the end of the day, you know, the, the uh, ultimate responsibility lies with the CEO of the city to make decisions that are going to continue or at least start to advance and then continue uh, our city. And so from folks from the outside, I would just ask that, you know, they take a uh, realistic look at what's happening now uh, and when you make your ultimate assessment base it on the actions and the things that we've been able to accomplish right uh, and and I know it takes a little bit of a challenge for some folks to set aside their own opinion or perspective uh, but if you're really really interested in Gary as I hear so many people say and you have this love which I believe they do um, it's my opinion that a number of the people who exist in this region have some connection to the city uh, some way or the other where they've worked in the meals or lived there very early on and you know as a result of that they continue to foster this uh, passion for the city I, I got an email actually it was a handwritten letter from a 95 year old gentleman yesterday and he told me how he lived in Gary in the Tolleston area and he went to Tolleston school but he wants to come back to the city, to that area, to the football field, to go do some metal searching or look for coins, you know, which Ed was just flattered. At 95? By, at 95, right? Wow. He wants to bring his metal detector. He says there's a group of him and his friends that do so, but he was concerned about the safety, you know, and he starts off, he says, I hear how you say that the city is becoming safer, and he says, I'm wondering just how safe it really is. Can I come back? And and, and so I think that's a fair question. Uh, we certainly want to do everything we can to provide opportunities, back to your original question, for persons to take a second look at the city, but more importantly, give them a reason to come back and visit the city and feel safe when doing so. And so with that gentleman, uh, more than likely, he, he invited me to come out with some of him and his friends. Uh, believe it or not, I actually have a metal detector. And so we're going to facilitate that for him because we think little experiences like that uh, certainly help to give him and other people a different view just by their own experiences. Okay, one uh, political question yep. here, and then Dewan and uh, uh, Jerome are going to talk about his background and so forth. I just had uh, Jim Weezer on, the head of the Lake County Democratic Party, just an hour uh, right before this podcast. And uh, we talked about uh, the coming upcoming primary, and Jim's comments were uh, fairly pertinent. He said, you know, there are two main uh, components, two main candidates running and they're both gentlemen and it could be a hard-fought race and it'll be competitive but he's confident that it will you know remain on the gentleman level my question is is i'm you know i know a lot of people that are your supporters i know a lot of uh people that are your opponent supporters give us a sense of what you expect out of these people in terms of their behavior going into this election so primary um it's a great question i think it's a fair question uh, let me just say ultimately uh as much as we try it's just been my experience that 
um, I can only control my own actions, right? And and I don't say that loosely. Uh, certainly the direction from our camp is going to uh, be that, you know, the folks are emissaries and, and surrogates and folks that are out there campaigning follow my lead, right? Uh, I, I've never run a nasty, dirty campaign, you know, although there's folks who probably would feel differently about that. Uh, there's but, folks in Gary that no matter what you do is wrong, and you know that. There's some that yeah, on the other side, right? Well, I experienced that my first day in office, <laughs> right? and it's like, really? But I can't. You didn't realize once you came in that so many people are just, doesn't matter. Yeah, if you I, say the sky is blue, they'll say, no, it's gray today. That, that's a frustrating component of what we do. But listen, uh, you know, I've had a number of challenges in my life, and uh, I've always overcome them, right? And so uh, the point is, is I'm just focused on doing the job. And for me, I believe the biggest factor of our campaign are the things that we've been able to accomplish, right? Setting the record straight, creating or providing the proper context in which to view it in, and just moving forward. Um, you know, it is what it is. As I said, when I won the primary in 2019, I came home that evening and I told my wife, we need to start getting ready for 2023 because you're going to be opposed. And that, I mean, I've ran against people before as a young council person, certainly uh, Clerk. an O2 county assessor, assessor ran for sorry, county yeah. assessor in O2, came back again, ran in 2014, you know, and so that's just part of what we do. But uh, my greatest satisfaction, let me state it like this. I think there's, in my opinion, uh, two definitions or perspectives of success, right? One is everybody else's, right? What is success? And then there is a personal view of success. And for me, that just includes and, and largely encompasses knowing that uh, at the end of the day that I've given it my every effort that I can to make improvements to the city. And I think that any enhancement or improvement that we make in the city, uh, if we are able to do that, i.e. the uh, police situation and the partnership with uh, the Indiana State Police, that I will have done something that's bigger and greater than me, you, and everybody else. And as long as that remains the focus and the goal, I think I'm on the right track, right? And we'll leave it up to the voters to decide. He's uh, Jerome Prince. I'm Jim Dillon. I'm the owner here. I've known uh, the mayor uh, for some time. So, Dewan, thank you for letting me sit oh, in for a few minutes. I appreciate uh, uh, this. Sometime, That's why I texted you and told you to hurry when you yeah. told me you was getting food. I was yeah, kind of well, nervous. Terry I Hill like, can't talk like enough hurry. about uh, old stuff. Um, but uh, I just wanted to get a sense because uh, when Jim Weezer was here, he basically laid it out. He's like, you know, I think these two guys are gentlemen and they're going to go head to head. You look a little further down the line, and I've talked to some of your supporters and uh, the other camp, and everybody's ready for a battle, and I, and I hope it's a good, clean battle. But um, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to this. This could be fun, Likewise. and I hope you are too. Yeah, I am. Hey, thanks for uh, letting me on, Hollywood. Uh, I know you're going to talk. Uh -huh. This is actually a good jumping-off point because he's talking about definitions of success. Dewan yeah, likes to that. talk about success and leadership and that. Awesome. And uh, thanks for having me on oh, your podcast. You. I appreciate it. See thanks you later. Appreciate talk you to you soon. Yep. Man. All yours. Before we started, we was talking about in 82 at Lou Wallace. Lou Wallace is closed now for a lot of, like, my era. You know, they, they once knew Lou Wallace around Renato Thomas. You know, God rest his soul. Mm -hmm. Um Brandon Dawson, who went on to be a McDonald's All-American and played at Michigan State and in the NBA. Like, we know that rich history of Lou Wallace, but you sure. was there in 82. Yep. If you could go back in time and talk to me what Gary was like and what Lou Wallace was like back in the 80s. So, Gary was – And how would you describe Gary? Yeah, Gary was uh, interested in that, you know, from the perspective of an 18-year-old uh, or soon-to-be 18-year-old senior – there just didn't appear to be a lot of opportunities that existed. And so very early on, uh, prior to enrolling at Luwalis, which I only went to Luwalis uh, one year, and that was my senior year. Started out at Andrean, went there for two and a half years. Uh, prior to that, St. Mary of the Lake, and prior to that, St. Mark's. Uh, you know, and the way the story goes is, 
somewhere right around third grade, my parents split up, my mom moved to Glen Park, and she always wanted my brother and I to have greater opportunities and, right. and what she perceived to be, you know, a greater opportunity at education. So she enrolled me in Catholic schools, and that's how I ended up at Andrean. But I always wanted to uh, go to school where all my friends went, right? And so every year at uh, before enrollment period or you know when it's time to register i would always ask you know can i go back can i go back anyway uh long story short somewhere right around my junior year she concedes and and to that extent i like to say that uh i was the smarter one in that effort because ultimately that's where i met deanna at lou wallace and uh i've shared the rest of that story with you you know uh a little bit more than a year after meeting her we were married and so but yeah gary has always been uh my home and and just a great place to live for me um but once you get out and you explore and you experience other cities, other states and that, you see that there's so much more to offer, right? And so right. the focus became how can we have that in our city? And so after going to the Marine Corps and coming back home, um, I didn't have an interest in government or politics, but I was always looking for ways to, A, set the right example for my young sons, but also just opportunities to get engaged in the community and set even better examples of what it means to embrace your community and also support it, right, and be a part of it. And so, um yeah, it was a great time. Lou Wallace specifically, always a great school, rich history there. Some great players, as you mentioned, came out of there, some of which uh, Who are I, some of those names, if, if uh, you recall? So some of the ones that come to my mind are Tellus Frank, uh, Johnny Ford, uh, Jerome Harmon, Brandon Dawson, as Legend, you mentioned. Yeah. And, and I'm sure there's just a host of others that are escaping me. But uh, most of the ones that I mentioned – uh, at the beginning, actually graduated the year after me. So when I got there as a senior, these guys were juniors in my wife's class. And so, yeah. The adversity you go through as mayor with all the responsibilities you got to take on, has the Marine Corps in the years you served has helped you battle these adversities now? To an extent, right? So whenever I face a challenge and it just looks uh, insurmountable, I always think about some of those heels that we approached, right, right, in full gear and the rifle and some of our exercises and uh, just our model, right, of never quitting and giving up. And so that definitely motivates me. But I often share with folks uh my mom was probably uh the greatest drill instructor <laughs> in life and so even prior to uh, uh enlisting in the marine corps i would like to say that uh at least i knew the pathway to structure right i mean i was human as a right. young guy right and certainly had my share of uh um you know maybe inappropriate or or just experiences right. i'll put it like that but in any event always have been largely responsible certainly always been respectful of others and certainly my community uh so enlisting in being a marine and and serving uh, a term in the marine corps certainly only enhanced the skills that were already instilled in me you um you didn't go to college right, right. you surpassed college and, and then you decided to run for mayor and it was an upset. You beat Mary Mary, uh, Mary Karen Freeman Wilson. Mm -hmm. um, I went to Puerto Rico, and um, I was playing. It was right on my rookie year, and I remember you you won. And I was surprised that you won because of, obviously, Karen's background. What made you run for mayor, and how did you feel going into that campaign when you got the victory? Yeah, uh, the college piece is, is big. And, in fact, that became a factor in the election, especially when you look at uh, our backgrounds, right, right, comparatively. And so Harvard grad, right, two-term incumbent. Um, you know, and so, but let me say, although I didn't attend uh, college, um, 
after returning from the Marine Corps, I've had a number of experiences and have taken a number of courses, right, that certainly provided me with the background and the tools that I needed in order to be successful in life. And not only that, to be successful in um, in the work world, if you will. And so um, as a result of some of those experiences, I've been a real estate agent. I've been an insurance agent. I've had had a, a stint in retail uh, management before, um, and certainly my experiences as a parent, right, and and uh, supporting Deanna as she pursued her degree, right, post uh, adulthood, and that, and so. Um, yeah, what really inspired me to run for mayor is, um, a number of things. And so, you know, I guess oftentimes folks sort of set their sights on certain, you know, goals and that. And, uh, but I'll, I'll just tell you that my goal was never to be the mayor of city. In fact, uh, I didn't, wasn't really fond of politics, if you will, per se, uh, coming up and was close enough to it to see that that wasn't necessarily something that interests me. But uh, what did interest me was the community and, um, you know, just the things that I had experienced or the things that I saw and the trajectory in which I thought our city was going in, I'm certain were all factors that got me involved in government per se, period. So 1998, um, I actually, so no, prior to that, it was 1997. I was 33 years old, almost 34, and had taken uh, a couple of my older sons down to a conference in Indianapolis for uh, the status of the black males. And I heard a young man speak at that time who was about 26 or 27. And today he's an elected official. It was Darren Washington. But what I experienced at that conference led me to know that I needed to go right back home and really get engaged in the community in a more public-facing way. And so I ran for precinct committee person, again, not to become a council person or one day run for mayor, but to get involved in my immediate neighborhood and set an example, right, of what we could be as a neighborhood. From there, I guess you could say I got bitten by the bug, right, Right. and uh, I was started observing uh, a little bit closer our elected officials at the time and the thing that resonated the most is that there was no one in the entire lake county area uh from our gen from my generation at that time who was serving in office right Right. and so that certainly was something that compelled me so we ran for council and I'll, I'll be completely frank with you, you know, once I successfully uh, ran for city council and became a council person, that was probably the closest that I ever came to even considering running for mayor. And it was probably because as I would leave the council chambers, you could see right down the hall the mayor's office. And, and you know, yeah, I used to think one day that maybe I'd be there. But in 2008, I uh, and this was after successfully running for a third term as a city council person uh, in 07, I was pretty much convinced that that was going to be my last term because things just weren't happening. And that angst that we talked about earlier that people feel in terms of um, the pace at which our city is uh, progressing, uh, I experienced it also, right? And I didn't want to be an elected official simply for the sake of being one. I wanted to be an elected official that actually could have some impact on the city, right? Right. In, in conjunction with others. And so, uh, but in 2008, a vacancy occurred on the Lake County Council. And uh, I participated in a caucus, successfully became a Lake County Council person. 
gave up one year of the term that I had just secured on city council, but it was an opportunity for me to take a different look, right, and gain a different perspective about government and whole and its total, uh, but also to interact with persons from across the county and, and perhaps bring some of those best practices back to our city, not necessarily as an elected official, but as a resident, right, and, and partnering and working with some of the elected officials that were presently in the office. And so um, I did that. But in uh, 2014, I um, decided to run for an office that was more closely aligned with my background and experience, and that was the Office of Lake County Assessor. At that time, I still possessed the highest certification in the state, uh, Assessor Appraiser Certification, uh, which I had held since 1997 or so. And, um, yeah, we pursued that, was certainly successful in that. So now I'm the assessor. We've got a job to do here. And so I'd like to think, and, and I'm fairly certain that we did a pretty good job successfully there by cleaning up a backlog of 10,000 appeals. We changed the uh, software system, the camera system, um, as well as enhanced customer service and just the total operation of the uh, office. Um, and so I ran for a second term. I was unopposed. And now, um, in a lot of ways, I felt this sense of completion, if you will. And I guess uh, somewhere in the recesses of my mind, uh, the city, because right. I still maintain my home in the city, the city became more of a focus for me. And um, I was still largely convinced that I wasn't going to run. In fact, uh, for almost uh, seven or eight months, my wife, Deanna, did everything she could to talk me out of it, right? And and it's not that I woke up one day and said, I'm going to do it, but we'd have these conversations and I'd ask her opinion whether she could support or would support or even if she thought I would. And I believe the reason she was opposed to it is because she, if anybody knows me the best, she knows my work ethic and my passion, and she knows that I will not stop until right. we get a job done. And to be quite frank with you, uh, she also is aware of the challenges that exist, and she was concerned for me, right, as a person. And uh, to that extent, I respect her. But ultimately, uh, yeah, as it got closer to filing, I thought about it a little more. I shared back with Deanna. She gives me her blessing. I filed for office and uh, under the premise that, you know, at least people would have a, an option. Right. And and to that extent, we left it up to the residents of, of the city and uh, in a seven or eight person race, 49 percent of those persons uh, opted to vote for me and. I'm here. That's why I love the podcast, because you share all this information yeah. that I just had no idea. And I'm pretty sure that a lot of the listeners didn't have any idea as well. Sure. They just saw you. You got the dub and, you know, you were the next mayor of Gary. Now, when you were, you talk to these people who are not from Gary and they just see a negative light on Gary and you get some pushback on like, why you want to run for mayor of Gary? Why you want to live in Gary? Like you're from Gary. You know, that look that they give you. How do you process that and, and what message do you give back because i deal with that hmm. sometimes on a day-to-day -day, um from all different walks of life who don't know gary and i'm a very optimistic person and i'm like i'm always from gary and taught me a lot of values that i take with me to this day even in my profession so what message do you respond back to that when they try to downplay gary so uh great and and fair question because you're right i uh i definitely know to look yeah right and and i've heard the question in fact when i was uh actually considering running uh you know folks would literally ask why do you want that job right, right. and and so even now you know as the mayor uh, I'll introduce myself and, and folks, whether they're familiar or not, somehow in the conversation it comes out and uh, some of them will, you know, give you that look and shake their head and right. say, 
man, you got a tough job, or I wouldn't want your job for anything in the world. And listen, uh, everybody has their perspective and opinion. And, uh, you know, from a realistic perspective, I understand that, right? You know, uh, because it's it's challenging, right? And uh, some folks probably believe that there's nothing good there and certainly nothing good that come out of there. I don't believe that, right? right. And so uh, I answer it with a very positive response in that, listen, we are working each and every day to make it a better place to live. And I start by inviting them to uh, perhaps come to the city on their own or whether they get a guided tour. And I guarantee them that I can take them places that they probably weren't aware that existed in the city and uh, some of those places would give them a completely different perspective of what's going on in Gary or what could potentially be. All my mentors, and I'm in media, and one of the guys, his name is Mike Patton, and he's a, a graduate of Westside High School, mm-hmm. and, and he does creative media, and he was the first basketball, post-basketball player that I saw pick up a camera and, and be on the Internet and navigate that space to help other companies built their marketing brand and he was from Gary you know watching you pivot in your background and being in leadership that inspired me to have you on here to to talk about your day-to-day responsibilities and when you get the news like one of um it broke news on Facebook because I'm always on the internet the homicide in in front of the um Hudson Campbell Hudson and Campbell where were you when you got received the news and, and how did you deal with that, you know, issue and what was the solution you came up with? Because everyone has an opinion, right? And people saw it, few people saw it, but with the responsibilities you have, how do you process that to come up with the solution for the community? Yeah, that that one's tough. I mean, you know, realistically, we, we see things like that occur in the city. Uh, and it's crime it, everywhere, too. Well, I, that's not just where I was going. <laughs> it, it's certainly not exclusive to Gary. I mean, you can turn on the news or pick up any publication, and you'll see some instance like that somewhere in the world, right, or in the country, certainly. Um, I don't recall where I was exactly. I believe I may have been at an airport meeting. Uh, but yeah, we got the notification and immediately after the meeting, I go back to city hall, uh, because my first concern were the employees, right. Uh, and, and how some of, I mean, that close to city hall, Hudson Campbell's right across the street from city hall. And so, uh, wanted to know what was going on and, and if any of our employees were involved or had been impacted, but then, you know, just from a very human uh, perspective or view, uh, viewpoint, even if they weren't directly involved, something that traumatic can have a lasting impact on them. So we uh, immediately set up an opportunity for them to receive some sort of uh, counseling interaction. And, and to that extent, a few of them took advantage of it. But, yeah, it's just an unfortunate situation. Um as a result of one of the technologies that we introduced, though, the uh, police were able to get some very good footage and to that extent uh, certainly have some great leads and are pursuing them. Uh, but, yeah, whenever you have something like that happens, personally thinking, you know, I, I, the thought that, you know, people are going to those who who you know, aren't necessarily favorable towards city or have this negative impression of it. They'll use that as fuel to say, see, I told you so. Right. But again, uh, and, and don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm certainly not naive enough to know that, you know, things like that shouldn't happen in your community. Right. Certainly don't want, and they don't cast a great light on the city. However, um, it, it's just our focus and our goal and our responsibility to always present the city in the best light that we can, but not only present it in the best light, do everything we can to, to, uh, ensure that it's as safe as it possibly could be. And so um, we're doing just that, you know. You, as we wrap up, we're coming close to time. I do want to 
talk about the education, right? Sure. You, when when people say, "Man, all of our high schools are closing, and charter schools are coming eternally into Gary." I went to a charter school, of course, Bowman Academy, and I had much success there. You know, what's your thoughts when you see high schools close? And and my question too. This is a personal question. You know, why do they close? Like the Lou Wallaces of the world. You know, we're getting more charter schools. Why is that? Is it the enrollment is down or is it charter school? People are making a push for charter school. Well, again, I'll take a stab at it. And I think I'm, you know, uh, fairly qualified to answer this question. I think there are a number of factors of why you see so many schools close. The primary one being the decline in population, right? And so at one point, Gary had 170,000 or 170 close to 180,000 residents. Now we're just north of 69,000, and that within itself would suggest that you don't need all the facilities that you used to have. Uh, you couple that with the fact, uh, the introduction of charters or, you know, and, and don't get me wrong. I'm a supporter of charters also, right? right. I definitely know you went there. I'm a supporter of giving the greatest opportunity we can to our students right and so if you look at the statistics about 65 percent of our school-aged children are enrolled in charters or either other school districts outside of the city right uh so parents made those choices right not the kids not me or not anybody i think if we want to attract the type of people to return or to live and invest in Gary. Uh, In addition to public safety, we certainly have to pay closer attention to our school system. And although I think our traditional public school, and I do say traditional in in air quotes because charter schools are public schools also, right? But they just have a different philosophy and teaching mechanisms. Um, But the point is, is that, you know, we just need to provide the greatest opportunities that we can for our kids. And, and certainly, as the mayor of the city, that's uh, part of our focus as well. You know, I, I think we should have an opportunity for uh, some of your higher achieving students to attend STEM academies, if you right. will. And so we'll certainly to continue to pursue that. But, yeah, just like everything, there's a different opinion. You know, some folks say that the charters are dismantling the traditional public school system and um i just can't necessarily agree with that just wholeheartedly i think that in some instances uh there has to have been some impact on it. But listen, today we have a city that's 57 square miles. It uh, has sprinklings of abandoned school buildings across the city. And to that extent, you know, it's what do you do with them, right? And and certainly to repurpose them and make those schools, whether it be a school or some other uh, productive use of those properties, continues to be a focus. We've been fairly successful uh, to an extent with doing that during this administration. In fact, the second day of our administration, we had a press conference over at Edison School, uh, which is on the west side of uh, Gary, Fifth Avenue, right right off of Burr Street. My my mom worked there when she was a teacher at at Edison. been abandoned for a number of years in that and and uh, certainly blighted and there's dumping and all sorts of illicit activity uh, as a result of us bringing attention to it and I directed all of our resources from general services sanitary district to go over there clean it up right right get all this debris in that because at the very minimum the folks who lived adjacent to it shouldn't have to look at this every day but then we began pursuing opportunities to market it and develop it and I'm proud to announce that we were successful in doing so in a little bit less than a year uh, we um, uh, engage with a company who was actually located in Hammond uh, at the time, but as a result of the double track project, they were going to be forced to leave their location. We were able to attract them to to Gary 
purchased the school for a significant amount of of, of uh, dollars, and uh, today it's demolished, and it's going to be the future site of this new business. And uh, certainly, not only would it be aesthetically more pleasing to the neighborhood, but there will be some employment opportunities. And the best part about it is that they will be contributing to the tax base because they did all this without a tax abatement. That that's awesome, and, yep. and great news to hear about. Obviously. Our community, the future of Gary. What do you do in your downtime? You know, for those that you know is listening and they they hear all the information, they absorbed it and the responsibilities day to day. But how do you decompress, even if it's for five to ten minutes, if that? But what are some fun things you like to do that's not related to politics and business? Yeah, that that's a really really significant uh, point for me. Um, I, I can start by telling you what I'd like to be doing, right? right. <laughs> because unfortunately, I just haven't found the time to get back into the thing that I've discovered that I probably love the most in my downtime. And that's just being out in nature, right? And whether it's uh, going on a hike or something like that. But I really have gotten into uh, bicycling. Uh, I love cycling. Oh man, uh, that that's like the greatest release of energy and stress and you get to ride through the entire region and so uh I'm looking forward to getting back to that. Uh now so in my downtime, I love to just kind of be at home, right? right? And and shut the phones down for a moment and and just enjoy my grandchildren or my wife. Uh these days I'm certainly paying a little bit more or spending a little bit, probably a lot more time uh, focusing in on Deanna, who was recently diagnosed with breast cancer in uh, September of last year. But her treatments are going well. We attend the University of Chicago. Her spirits are great. And uh, just like we've approached everything in our life, we're approaching this uh, very optimistically with the uh, ultimate goal of knowing that we will overcome this challenge also. So, uh, yeah, that's what it is. That's for sure. And both you and I are both optimists, you know, um, especially what we do in our in our work a field um your favorite sports teams and then i'll let you go basketball <laughs> again or, or do, you, um, do you have a sports team i i i don't i don't you know that's something that i've kind of gotten away from um try to hold on to it to an right. extent so even when i became a city council person i believe i coached for about another five or six years Glen park biddy you yes. had some coffee in Glen Park, Biddy. A- absolutely. I ultimately got in it uh, because my kids were at Biddy age, and I wanted to just have time to interact with them on the weekend. So we'd spend the entire weekend over at the gym, all week practicing, stuff like that. But, you know, when you enjoy something, right, right. you really do. And as a result of that, I, I coached a few more years, uh, had a couple of, of – Folks that you're familiar with, certainly, who I've had an opportunity to coach and interact with. But I got to tell you, those guys were a lot like you, right, in that it really didn't need a right. whole lot of coaching. My focus in that was to uh, create an opportunity, again, to uh, provide structure, if you will. A lot of those kids come from, you know, backgrounds or environments where there was very little structure. So, yeah, we, we had a lot of fun. We played a basketball. We at won Bailey. some games. Just, yeah, we, legendary Bailey. We, we, we went to New Orleans a couple times, right, but – uh, my primary focus was twofold. One was just to provide an environment that was structured where you could have structure and still have fun. But I think the greatest enjoyment I got out of that was not from watching guys like you and Etwan Moore who played for us. It was watching the kid who came to the gym who had never touched a basketball in his life and then watching him grow and develop and build his self-confidence and learn teamwork and camaraderie and that. That, to me, was probably the greatest satisfaction. And to be honest with you, that was the essence of Biddy Basketball, right? I love that guy to yeah. death, which was uh, Coach James Welch. Absolutely. Uh, when I was with uh, the Jaguars yep. and then tomorrow future players. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, that era was great. 
a lot of my guys reminisce about Glen Park Biddy because that was just such a monumental moment in our lives. Yeah. We're uh, looking to bring Biddy back, by the way, to, to the city of that's, Gary. That's awesome. I'll probably clip this part out and, and put that out there because the community is always asking about, man, we need another Glen Park Biddy era because mm -hmm. we always had a DJ. We had the winter tournament at Bailey. Even when it was snowing, we were at school looking forward to Saturday. Yeah. We treated it trades. Who's getting it drafted? It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And the gyms were packed, right? Right. A lot of fun. Parent and just a lot of spirit there. So, well, yeah, I appreciate it, Mayor Prince. Back. I didn't know how to email you. I was like mayor or coach, you know, and, and I and I remember you, you coached for a while. and You was one of the pioneers for Glen Park Biddy. But thank you for coming on the podcast to talk to myself and uh, Jim D'Lo. Well, DeWine, uh, and I know we got to yeah. go. I just want to take just a second to, uh, A, acknowledge the work that you do, but say thank, thank you. you because one of the most humbling things that can occur is someone like yourself who I knew. How old are you now? 29. All right, cool. Yeah. So, I mean, we're going back almost 20 years, right? Correct. You know, is to have someone like you who still uh, has a level of respect, right, and want to continue to engage with someone like me who's double your age, right? right. And certainly the bitty days are gone. So certainly proud of what you're doing. Thank uh, you. Absolutely supportive of it and, and just enjoyed this opportunity to sit down with you and talk to you, man. Man to man. Yeah, much love again. Uh, we got to do this again soon. And like I said, the, the responsibilities you have, a lot of my peers who are in the sports community want to know more about you and get to know what you like to do sure. outside of work. Um, so, just, again, just thank you, and, and I can't wait for a part two. And I'm optimistic about our community and where Gary is moving forward. Absolutely. I'd love to come back, uh, if not before the end, certainly after the primary. Uh, we, we feel that we're on a good pathway. We certainly believe that we'll be successful, but I'd certainly like to come back, recap the election, and talk about the future and whatever else um, is in store for all of us. Absolutely. I don't want to watch that I'm still laughing